0: There we go. Praise the Lord, and it uh, just—it's amazing. Uh, how many has ever e- ever got? Uh, if I say you got down into molly grubs, you know what I'm talking about. Mm, yeah. Some of the young people don't, but you know you kind of like—you're not really depressed, but you kind of sad about things and stuff like mm. this. Uh, I had one of those those start up in a week, and what I do when that happens to me, I, I usually try to get uh, into the Lord and try to hear from his hear His voice because basically. Uh, in that era, God has brought me through, in, in my lifetime, He has brought me through all kinds of turmoils, troubles, and situations, and so on and so forth. But just by sometimes hearing His voice, it, it just makes all the difference in the world. Um, if you put value in it. But this is what I'm going to talk about this morning. Uh, I was sitting here praising the Lord, and of all things, my, the Lord flashed back to before Diane and I got married. Now, this goes back over, over half a century <laughs> we got married, and i remember i was I, I was just in college i went to um well in, in my high school i took uh, a, a vocational training as um as an electrician I started out as an electrician i came into uh, um tech college i went to a year at tech college del new york and uh and was gr- thinking about graduating there. I met Diane after graduation, even though she went to the same high school i did it was a big school we never Cross paths and I met diane and, and um, i said this this is a woman for me I mean just she was we were, we were just meant to be together now, i didn 't know the Lord at that time I, I was just going anyway i didn 't have a job, I did not look like a prospect of any kind, uh, and I you know have to go talk to her father now, the thing about her family, her father, her grandfather had worked with my dad, my dad was a carpenter, and her Uh, Grandfather was a a tin knocker, sheet metal worker. And her dad was an apprentice under her her grandfather, so they knew my dad, they knew the family I came from. Uh, It was construction. But it was like, uh, okay, I I meet the family, I get all this done, and now I'm 19 years old, I don't have a job, I have no prospects other than I'm going to be an electrician once I get, I, I was accepted into the union uh, apprenticeship program, which lasts four years. So there's another four years of poverty (laughs) and and, and so on and so forth. But I want to get, we want to get married. And I remember I I was nervous and I didn't know what to do. I had to ask Diane uh, to marry me and I I was really nervous. Uh, uh, So I I went and I asked my my mom, I says, "Uh, I got to get a ring of some sort. Isn't that what you do? That traditional? you get a ring? and then I have to learn how to get down on one knee and, and you know all this other stuff. Well, uh, I figured I had uh, in the front seat of my 65 Dodge convertible. That was better than getting on a knee. Uh, but anyway, uh, we went to the department store, and she said, well, how much money you got? I said, not enough for a ring. And I, I looked through all the prices of rings, and I found an engagement ring. And literally, you needed a microscope to see the diamond. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a real diamond, and it was 14-karat gold. And I was Mom, I said, I, 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 don't, this, I, I feel ashamed even bringing this thing. She says she'll love it. I said, really? I said, but it's so small. You know, so anyway, I uh, went through the whole thing, and I give Diane that ring. And, and uh, I proposed to her, and lo and behold, she says, yes. Now, I'm 19. She's 18. I say I didn't have a job. And, and now i got to tell her parents and meet the parents. Uh, it was the worst day of my life. Uh, not, not proposing to Diane, meeting her parents and her other five siblings, <laughs> brothers and sisters in the whole bunch. And anyway, well, we got through all that. And then years later, I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to replace that ring with a bigger diamond because now I'll make, you know, I had a job. of was going so on and so forth. And I upgraded her. Why? Because basically that became uh, the token of our love, but what I could afford at the time but there was an increase in that, and there was a desire in me to give her more, Amen. and to, and to, and, to, and to because now of course after 50 years she's got all kinds of stuff. Uh, um, she's got a jewelry box that's big, and you open it up, it's got because what every trip I would take overseas or over the country, it, it was hard to bring gifts back for your wife. But jewelry was easy to pack. And in the land of Ghana, where it's gold, <laughs> that's what Ghana means is gold. But I said, you know, we, I, I would bring her gifts and she's got all gifts from all over the world and stuff like that. But point is this, is you started out, sometimes we, we start out small. But basically, the value that my wife put in that cheap old ring went beyond what the ring itself was worth. You understand what I'm saying? It wasn't the ring, it was, the, it was everything that went around the ring, but it, made a lot, it meant a lot to her. She didn't want to even part with it. Uh, but the fact is because of the value was not in the weight of gold, the size of a diamond, you know, anything like that. It was in the sentiment, the remembering, you know, the, the memories that was behind that, all meant more because she valued that more than she valued the gold. Matter of fact, my wife has never asked me for jewelry. She said, well, oh, I got my heart set on these earrings. Uh-uh. I would just say, go buy them. <laughs> so every piece of jewelry she has is a gift that I have that I've given her uh, from around the world a lot of times, and a lot of times from serving God, uh, just in that uh, particular country. So this is what it is. So I, I want to kind of talk like this this morning. I want you to under, understand where I'm coming from, but... Uh, uh, the title of my message this morning is Placing Value on God's Kingdom Purpose. We get to do that. Uh, You can't tell God how much it's worth. Now, I started sharing about myself. What happened this week was I got into uh, 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 this thought. Uh, You young people probably don't understand, but I got this thought. This thought came to me. Not every thought that comes to me is from God, by the way. How many know that to be true? We battle these thoughts. We hold them against the word of God. But I got this thought in my, my brain that, you know, I'm 72 years old. Um, am I getting too old for this? You know, I served in Key West for 33 years. It will be 34 years this May, constantly. And then from here, I've, I've preached the gospel on five different continents, been around. And I said, am I getting too old? And I, I started eating the mully grubs like that. And I said, man, I don't know. I don't feel old. Uh, uh, I still do stuff that's young. I mean, you know, I can still move around. I, 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 yeah. and, but I, I just am I getting too old? Then I heard the Spirit of the Lord say this. He spoke into my spirit. He says, what value are you placing on what you've done? See, it's, it, 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 and, it, and I understood what he meant. He said, it's easy to look at all the downside to ministry and all this other stuff. It was funny. There was this. Uh, I guess he was a Baptist preacher, but his wife was. They were interviewing his wife, and and they asked the wife. She, she says, she say, she said, what do you love about the ministry?'" And she says, "The people." And she, and he says, "Okay, now what do you hate about the ministry? The people." <laughs> In both circles, and you know what? I understood that <laughs> better than anybody. But the fact is, 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 uh, what value do we place on these things? So the guy says. In other words, I mean, Moses was 80 years old before God even called him. He served him another 40 years. He lived to be 120. So I guess old age or, or, or what we think, uh, uh, if we compare ourselves with the things in the world, I guess we can feel older than what we really are. Uh, um, I don't feel old. Matter of fact, I look in the mirror and say, who's that old guy? You know and you know, where, where did the hair go? <laughs> you know? But um, the, you, don't, you don't feel that way. The fact is, God, is, when I started thinking that, I was thinking about what God was opening up this, this year, what He was going to do. I started thinking about last year and uh, what we have covered last year. Of course, this is only February of this, of this year. And what God is doing, He's changing times and seasons. And we're coming into, as we come into a new year, and God has nothing to do with the calendar. Forget it, it's a Hellenistic calendar. He hasn't moved by the calendar. So it's not because it's the beginning of our Hellenistic year or whatever. No, but he has a season. And I heard this back in October. God gave me a, a, a picture of what this next year was going to be like, what our challenges were going to be, and so on and so forth. And um, <clears throat> so I, I, I'm thinking about it there. And then I got thinking of this. This is, a, I got a bunch of thoughts this morning, so, so bear with me. Uh, I'll get to the message in a minute. But the fact that I got a bunch of thoughts, but I said, you know, in the church, if we look at the church, our church, I said, there's, there's two kinds of acts, generally speaking, generally speaking. I said, there are symbolic acts and there are prophetic acts. According to the Bible, uh, there's, there's certain acts. Symbolic acts, to give you an example of a symbolic act, we sit down and we take communion they the elements of communion. That is symbolic simply because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It's symbolic of a covenant, but it's still symbolic. But when he talks about water baptism, it's not. And this is where my thoughts have begin to lead to me because last year we had a bunch of water baptisms. More than I did more last year than in my entire than I can remember in one given period in my entire career. That's unusual if you're preaching a message and you're getting people saved and you want to baptize those. We're talking about people who have already been baptized. Are you here? And I didn't put this out. I didn't teach on that. I'm not, teach. I'm not teaching on baptism today, but I'm teaching on it. But I noticed, they, I said, why do you want to be re-baptized? I said, I'd be glad to do it. I said, we can do it in-house. I said, man, we're set up for that. It takes 42 minutes to fill that baptistry. We can have you don't. And if you've got a really a tough spirit, we can hold you down a little longer. <laughs> and it'll fix you up real good. <laughs> but I, and, I, and, they, and they said, we don't know. We just feel this is what we want to do. And then people would ask me, because I had as many people when we offered it, as many people turn us down as basically a water baptized. But the, what got me thinking is the people that turned it down, why? Well, I've been baptized before. So... I ate a meal before. Guess what? I'm going to eat one again. <laughs> What's that got to do with what I did before? Different season, different time, different mindset, and so on and so forth. If it's a symbolic act, water baptism only needs one time. But it's a prophetic act. But water baptism is for the repentance of sins and so on and so forth. Okay, that, that's, there's, there's scriptural soundness for that. But can you explain this to me? Why did Jesus need to be water baptized if he'd ever sinned? You see, there's two aspects to that water baptism. Again, I'm not teaching water baptism, but there's two aspects. One can be symbolic, I guess, if that's what it means to you. But Jesus, it was not symbolic. It was prophetic. He said to John, John said, I don't want to baptize you. He said, baptize me, he said, because it is written. Do this. And as a prophetic act, what happened is God tore open the heavens. That prophetic act changed something. So how does that apply to us? Well, what happens is when we go down into water, the Bible says we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. When we come up, the old man is dead. Prophetically, he is dead, dead, dead. You come up a new creation, never before existed. You come up with a brand new person. Amen. That's a prophetic act. Another scripture to go along with that was in Second Kings, in chapter five. Do you remember? The, do you remember the he, this guy is the number two man in Syria. He's a, he's a general. He has all the commands. He he he's loved by his king in Syria, and so on and so forth. He's very successful. And what happened? His men went out and captured a Jewish uh, girl for a slave and gave her, gave her to his wife. And she says, you know, she said, if, this, if your husband could get by this prophet, and, uh, that uh, he could be healed of that le- leprosy. So she tells her husband this. The husband goes to the king and says, can I have permission to go to Israel and, and, and seek out this prophet? He goes to the king of uh, Samaria. Of course, he wasn't received very well, being a Syrian. But anyway, he, he, long story short, he did get to the, to the prophet and he sends his servant in to knock on the door of the prophet and the prophet comes to the door. He says, uh, tells his servant, he says, go out and tell him uh, to dunk seven times in the River Jordan. And the guy gets fuming. The guy is just mad. He says, well, we don't have rivers in Syria that are better than the Jordan. He said, why? And here comes the number two guy, the, the, his, his servant says, listen, if he asked you to do something big, would you have done it? He says, what do you got to lose? Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but worst could happen, you could get wet. But it was a prophetic act. What he actually told him to do is take himself and baptize, he dunked seven times and came up, and his skin was brand new. So a prophetic a prophetic act changes the circumstances around us. It changes things. What value did that guy put on dipping in Jordan? But his value system changed. <laughs> okay, uh, I mean this is it. Uh, I was looking over this stuff and I was, I was reading this stuff and, and I said, you know, the, the value. Jesus took me to the when I was talking to the Lord. He took me to the place, and it made a profound statement in my in my spirit. Basically, the word of God is the word of God when Jesus speaks it. When the devil speaks it, it's no longer truth. Quoting the same word, I, this is the tough one. I'll, I'll explain, okay, i got scripture to prove it. Jesus was on, in the wilderness. What did the devil come to him with in temptation? Remember, he was tempted of the devil. Finally, he tells, he, three times he came to Jesus. He ran out of strength because he's, no, he's not plugged into the power anymore. Jesus is, however, uh, but anyway... Jesus turns around, uses the word of God, but when Jesus speaks the word to the devil, the devil has no answer. But what he said finally, he says, listen, he said, if you be a son of God, of course it was always about your identity, uh, throw yourself off the pinnacle of temple, for doesn't isn't it written that the angels will give you and at least you dash your foot against the stone? And he was quoting Psalms 91, which was written about Jesus. But when he spoke it, the devil talking about when the devil spoke it, it became an, an article of suicide. And out of the will of God, it was not the truth for that moment. It was not the truth for that circumstances, though it was a true, true scripture that he quoted. Are you here? In other words, there's a spirit behind things that we have to also look into. When we put our value in what God is saying, what Jesus has spoken it kind of filters out the other uh, noise. In other words, uh, uh, when I was in religion, I was brought up in religion, but when I was in religion, uh, basically uh, uh, everything, the word of God was spoken, no matter how a person used it or misused it, didn't matter, it was the word of God, that's got to be it. But yet Jesus clearly said he didn't do anything the devil did. The devil came with words of, of the of. You know, biblical words, I could put it that way. But when Jesus, he rebuttaled on it. Why? Because he said this. And, and this is what we got to remember. John chapter 6, verse 63 says, The spirit who gives life and the flesh profiteth nothing, it says. And Jesus says this. He said, The words I speak to you are spirit and they're life. So the words that are spoken directing behind that word that is spoken can be one thing. It can be the truth that God wants us to have or the devil is trying to tip us in the wrong direction using the same word. The devil's a liar, nothing he says is true. Amen. But the word that you have, the Bible is more than just a printed book. When we read this, I used to say, you want to hear from God? Read until he speaks. That's as simple as that. I I read until I hear the Lord speak. And sometimes I don't have a a Bible reading plan. Uh, uh, Over the years, I've been been saved since 1976. So, you know, how many times I've gone through it and gone through it. But uh, uh, there's things that God reminds me of all the time. And I'll read a certain verse or whatever. And all of a sudden, God, bingo, the revelation comes to that thing. Wow. Now that changes everything. How many times can a preacher preach the same word? with a different revelation. Not doing damage to the word or its meaning. Oh no, no they can't do that. But the spirit of truth, when Jesus speaks, and he still speaks today, the spirit of truth comes upon our spirits and he begins to show us what, real, what the true value is. The devil tries to quote the word, but because he's the wrong spirit, it will not have, it will not have the effect. But when God speaks it, It becomes truth and life, he said. It's the very breath of God that breathes life into us. So this Bible, this word of God that you have, is the word of God, by the way. This is a written down, translated version of of manuscripts that they have found that were said. When the devil tries to do the same thing, he perverts it for your destruction. The devil can do nothing but to kill, steal, destroy. There's no good into him. So what he does, he tries to use uh, religion. There's a spirit. You realize if you, if you study the scriptures, it was religion that had Jesus crucified. The Romans might have drove the nails, but it was the scribes and Pharisees that had him crucified. The devil likes no better when the church just goes into this slump and does things out of habit or does things out of routine, more than out of Man, I, I, I want to get to church this morning because I know the presence of God is going to be there. And if he doesn't come in bells, else, he's coming with me. <laughs> but I, I had a week. You and I believe I need to get in the presence of God. Amen? On another thing, if a word of God comes, it doesn't line up with this book. Forget it. It ain't him. Help anybody this morning? Some of you look at me like a dog with a new pan. <laughs> I'm going to use the words of Jesus. There are lots of words that Jesus used about this thing. But how many know the devil had no good plan for Jesus? And if Jesus had followed that word simply because it was a word, he would have failed. That much we know. That much we can agree on. Right? If, he, if they followed the words of the devil, he would have. Would, the devil is comes to but to kill. John said it this way in John 10:10. The devil comes, but to kill, steal, and destroy. He calls him the thief. That's what he does. He steals what's good from us. Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life more abundant. Both of those, th- those uh, conditions are going to try to manipulate by using... Uh, um, manipulate. The devil will try to manipulate God's word to get his part across, but Jesus will give you his word with spirit and life. The same word to get his part across. So if you took that one verse of Scripture, okay, are we going to let the thief come to steal? Oh, yeah, it says right, Jesus said right there, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yep, that's it. That's it. Where's the value? Well, are you putting the value in what the thief is going to do, or are you putting the value in what Jesus said he would do? He would do. I want abundant life. That's yeah. living large. <laughs> I like that. That sounds good. I want to live large. Praise the Lord. But there's where it is. So, and, and it's not a question of listening to the, listen, in the condition, I was listening and I was, I was trying to research and, and, and um, so I'm trying to find the right words. I'm trying to self examine is what I was doing this week and, and all the things I've done. And sure enough, what I was doing, what the Lord brought to my attention, as I was remembering all the people that, that we, over the years, and we're talking 33 years, that have cursed me, stabbed me in the back, talked about me, and all this other stuff. I said, you yeah, know, I'm 72 years old. I says, Lord, you know, can I just retire? You know, is it that, and then retire. Well, I said, you can do whatever you want. He said, you're asking me what I want for your life. That's a purpose. And you know what, I started looking over retirement and it didn't look good to me. Uh, for one thing, I could see myself at home driving my wife crazy. <laughs> Not only that, God has given me sharpness of mind, even at 72. Yes. And I credit that to studying his word and, and, and doing what he's called me to do. Amen. So I credit my youth acting anyway, an old man, but my youth acting is, is, is basically uh, because of what God has done and because of serving him. So it isn't a, it isn't a job to where I should retire. I didn't feel that at all. Okay, I didn't have the same problem with being an electrician. I retired from that. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I built my last powerhouse and everything else that we were, I was doing. I said, forget that. I said, we don't need that. I said, but but with God, it, it, it begins to expand. See what happens is if you take an attitude. I take an attitude. Anybody takes an attitude to God and say, well, you know, that's fine. That's good for them. I ain't going to catch me doing that. And I'm never going to get in that. I'm never going to be that way. Then that's where you'll stop. God's not a pusher. He don't push you past that. But when you say, Lord, I just want more of you, and he does, and he begins to grow. I shared last week, I said, remember Paul? Paul had a, I mean, this is after he, uh, uh, he had Stephen stone, God had a marked, and that terrible thing that happened to Stephen, God began to work on Paul, turned that thing around, and multiplied the church and the scriptures. Paul wrote 13 books out of the Bible, seven of them in prison. Now, he, I remember he's telling God, I want to go to Rome. He had a heart's desire. Why? I don't know. But he wanted to go to Rome, and that's what his heart desired. But I'm sure Paul didn't think he was going to be going there as a prisoner. Preacher, yes. Prisoner, no. But however, he got to Rome. Now Paul is at Rome ready to change that city with the word of God. And he's chained to a, a Roman centurion that took shifts 24 hours a day. Guess what? By the time they were done being chained To the man of God, (laughs) who put a high value in the things that God has said to him. And he took that high value and began to preach. I dare say that the entire legion was saved before they got done guarding Paul. Insomuch, they gave him his own house eventually, still incarcerated. And he wrote seven more books of the Bible. He wrote more books of the Bible from prison than he did as a free man. Because God sent it around. God set it up. But I'm sure he wasn't looking to be shipwrecked, bit by a viper, and in, go to the Rome in chains. And then all of a sudden, he says, You guys shouldn't pull out of port. Going to be a hurricane. Oh, shut up, prisoner. What do you know? You're just an idiot. Good, shut up. And they went, to sure enough, they ran into a hurricane. He said, and Paul goes, he starts fasting and praying. He says, The Lord said, He said, You don't leave the ship. He said, No life will be lost. Okay. (laughs) Now the ship is starting to come apart. And there are rapid cords around the ship trying to keep the ship together in the storm and so on and so forth. But just long enough to get the ship within distance of land. And they landed uh, on the island of Maltese because they listened to Paul. Paul goes, "He's well, I'll get some wood. And he started gathering up some wood. What was he doing? Serving others. You see that? Serving others even as a prisoner. Serving the Romans that even captured him. Serving others, and here comes a snake and bites him. A deadly viper, deadly poisonous viper. He throws it off into the fire and continues on what we should do. This is what we should do with the devil shake it off and go on. Yep. Hurt feelings in church? Oh, come on. Cry me a river. Shake it off and go on. Amen. Seriously. Seriously. Yes. Amen. 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 Good. 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 Good I have been judged by people. I have been. I, Diane and I, we sold everything we had several times to move to where God has put us, changed locations, and laid our life down for the Lord willingly. We love it. It is the best life ever. But I have been judged by people that wouldn't give him a, 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 the right time of day. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Sit there and cry over that? No, go on. Shake it off. Shake that stupid thing off and go on with God. Amen. And listen to his voice. Because it's just like Paul could have sat there and said, "Man, this is what I get for serving God. I get shipwrecked. I get bit by a viper, and now I'm a prisoner." All right, we're having a great day here. He could have taken that one, or he could say, "You know what? I don't know all the meaning of this stuff, but I know this. I know the God I serve. Watch this. Not going to die. Not going to die." So God used those all those circumstances. I said, "Stay with the ship. No life, is lo-. no life was lost on that, on, that, on that journey." Amen. No, that all probably saved all of Mal- Malta because of that. They, they were expecting, they stood around waiting for them to die with that uh, the deadly viper, and they never, uh, What happened? Paul put his value differently than when, than what the world puts their value in. Paul put his value in the things of God. Jesus said this, he said, my words to you I speak are spirit in their life. He really means it. If we take the whole word of God and we take the revelation and we listen to what Jesus is telling us to do, even if it's something we don't want to do, I know one thing, he's got a plan and it always comes out good. I can remember when when I first heard the Lord say, come to Key West. I lived in Deerfield Beach. I I had a house up on A1A, Deerfield Beach, block from the beach, I was a scuba diver, had a brand new boat in my front yard. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I had a church I could go to. I started a church up in Boynton Beach, which was about you know, 15 miles away. I said, man, we live in a high life. Until one day, God guy began to speak, and I, says, man, I said, man, I'm not feeling it here. I said, I went to my pastor. And I said, pastor, I said, I don't know if, if I'm in the wrong place or what. I know I feel like on the backside of the desert, like... Uh, Moses did, I said, but I, I just feel. And, and he said to me, he says, well, he says, if you want to come back in here and sit down, he says, we'll pull you back in, sit down. He said, close the church down. Uh, that we're like, you, you gotta be kidding me. What? <laughs> you see, you gotta understand something. I held for four years the call of God, and didn't know how to how to present or go about it. God finally puts me in a position. <clears throat> I'm ordained minister, got my uh, college degree, ordained minister, and now my pastor's saying. Go back to where you were? He said, and, and he sits there and, he, and he's grinning. I said, I'm not doing it. I said, no, I'm not coming back. Here. I said, I didn't go through all this. This is exactly what he was looking for. <laughs> he said, well, have you considered the Florida Keys? This is what he says to me. The Florida Keys, are there people down there? <laughs> What's there? You've got to be kidding me. You only go down there to go scuba diving. That's all you do down there. And I I did. I came down. Of course, you know the story. And God wouldn't speak until I hit Key West of all the places. He said, what are you going to do? This has been one of the most fantastic journeys that we ever had because I valued what God said way back when we were in Boynton Beach. And I valued what he said. Didn't understand everything, but I valued what he said. As long as I kept valuing, listen to me, as long as I kept valuing God, why couldn't Satan tempt Jesus away from God's word? Because it was already settled. The only reason Satan can tempt you is because it's not settled. And we and, and want to stand on legalism. Well, it's the word of God, not if the devil's telling you it's not. If Jesus is saying it, you can better believe it is, and that word will bring life to you. Praise the Lord. But if we take religion over that, amen, it becomes something different. Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, he answered the Pharisees, and he says, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, for it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And he says in verse 13, jumping down to 13, he says, in making the word of God of no effect through your traditions. Does the word of God have power? But he's saying, Jesus is saying that we can take the power that's in the word and make it no effect Mm -hmm. through traditions, through religious ideas, through religious walkings and so on and so on, and not with a relationship with God. Because this word, the key part to this word is that it's connected to the master. The key part to this is it connects us to Jesus. It connects us to... When it connects us, now it has power in our life to change and transform. But it comes down to what value we put into that word. If it's just the thing we read uh, in a ceremony, well, then it has something else. Amen? Amen? I remember first getting in, in, into, into a, I, I was traveling the, the nations and doing different things, and, and one of the things that I, I, used to bog me down is ceremonies. And now I did. I married lots of people. We had wedding ceremonies, and we had all kinds of ceremonies. And the ceremonies bogged me down. I, did not, I, I was never good at it. I stammered. I stuttered. I did not like ceremonies because basically it was just going through emotion, and that is the very thing that God set me free from to bring me into the ministry. Wow. Now, I testify about me. I testify about you, you get mad. I testify about me. <laughs> and this is my testimony, praise <laughs> the Lord. And I knew what Jesus was saying. He said, because what happens a lot of times, our traditions, if the heart isn't in it, our traditions make the word of God of no effect. Now, is the word of God no effect? Absolutely not. It's the most powerful thing in the universe. Amen. But to you, it will not be. Or to, not to you, but I mean to the person who, who does, wants to put tradition first, it'll make the word of God no effect in their, in their life, not of mine. So again, it, it depends on what we place value on. Judas, how many, out of all the disciples, Judas is an interesting character. What was his problem? How many ever seen a Judas today? What, what was his problem? I mean, basically, did Judas lay hands and have miracles? Yes. 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 Did he cast out the devil? Yes. yes. On other people, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. He was with a bunch. Remember when Jesus sent them out two by two, and the disciples, they went out and they said, okay, you, you lay hands on the sick, you cast out devils, you do this, you do that. And they came back and they were all happy because everything worked. And then they started arguing, uh, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? <laughs> Judas was in that group, that whole part there. He saw the miracles. He saw Jesus calm the storms on, on, on the ocean. He saw all that stuff. None of that changed his life to the point where it come right down. He became the betrayer. Why? Simply because Jesus did not meet him where he thought he was supposed to be. What was, what was Jesus' value? Evidently, he didn't value have the same values as the other disciples. The value Judas placed on Jesus... Judas had a problem with greed, disappointment, hypocrisy, unbelief. Lowering the value of Jesus to what it meant to him. And when he lowered the value of Jesus, he himself found his way on the outside looking in. When he went to the priest to betray him, okay, they gave him 30 pieces of silver. If you want to understand from my reading and study, 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave. 30 pieces of silver. He takes the silver, he betrays Christ, and then he feels bad about it afterwards, and he goes back to the priest, and he tries to give him back the money. He says, oh, we can't touch that money. That's blood money. The, the religion kicked in now. Now all of a sudden, the religion came. Well, we can't take that. So we'll take that, and we'll buy a piece of land, and we'll call it the potter's field, and the potter's field is for somebody who can't afford a cemetery, and they can be buried there. So we'll make some good out of that money, but we can't touch it. We can't, no, we can't touch it. We can't deal with it because it's blood money. (laughs) They didn't say that first when they offered it to them. (laughs) No love in the world, I'll tell you that. Praise the Lord. Amen? What happened? Jesus didn't come as Judas thought he would come in his mind. Because Judas, like, and so the scribes and Pharisees, knew Jesus to be a Messiah. The Messiah, when the Messiah comes, he tears down every other government. Oh, it's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. He tears down every other government, and therefore Jesus sits on the throne of every government, and he becomes the world leader, or leader of the universe more than world leader. That's the Messiah. This is what Israel believed for generations. Judas knew this. So when Jesus didn't come in this booming voice and, 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 and ripping through and, and removing all the problems of Israel, he got disappointed. So because Jesus didn't act the way he thought he should act, oh, he said, forget that. You're, you're toast. I ain't following you no more. This is done. I'm done. I'm out of here. We don't do this today. I mean, this is, is all. <laughs> <in Tuesday. laughs> I hear people say, well, I don't go to church. I went to church one time, and I got my feelings hurt. Are you kidding me? I can get my feelings hurt every Sunday. <laughs> I don't go for feelings. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Nah, I don't go for feelings. I go for Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, here's Martin. Solomon, let me, let me switch let's, let's get out of Judah and go to Solomon. Solomon, the King. He's son of David. David is passing down to him the largest Israel has ever been. His borders are stretched out, largest it's ever been in his entire history, even today, uh, under the kingship of David. David was nothing but a success from beginning to end. David was a one success. Matter of fact, he wanted to build the temple. God told him no. He says, you can't build the temple because you're a warlike king. Well, who made him a warlike king? God did. Okay, so it wasn't, it wasn't a, 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 he said, instead, what I'm going to do, he said, I'm going to see to the Messiah comes through your lineage. Whoa. He, and he says in the Psalms, he says, what do I, what did I do to deserve such honor? So it wasn't that David was just pushed out, pushed aside. He said, but use your son, Solomon, be raised up. Amen. Amen. Least likely guy. Why is he least likely? Well, how did Solomon come to be? That's was Beersheba's mother. Who was Bathsheba? Beersheba was um, the, the Hittite's wife that David stole from him and had him killed. This was the secondborn. The firstborn died because of David's sin. And this was the secondborn. Now he's going to build the temple. <laughs> and he goes to the Lord, and he says, Lord, and it's like asking what you need, Solomon. And he says, Lord, that I may have the wisdom to lead your people but I can do good for somebody else. So what he did, he says, okay, he said, because you didn't ask for riches and wealth and all this other stuff, he said, you asked me for wisdom to guide my people. He said, because you asked me for that, I will give you wisdom that no other man or no other king will ever have or ever see again. I'll give you that wisdom, he said, and I'm also going to give you riches and wealth and wealth because you didn't ask for it. I, I, it was, brought me to the scripture in Matthew where Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So what's God saying? He said, "Where you place your value, if we first place our value into the kingdom of God, and what he wants to do, then God, when we're about God's business, God can be about our business. So what we see value in him, now God will see value in what the things we want to do. And Solomon's a perfect proof of that. Jesus said it. He said, he says, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, un- understand that it's not the kingdom of God. That's, that's, we can do a whole series on the kingdom of God. But basically, I, I said this, Paul writes in Romans, says, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink but righteousness, peace, and joy, in the Holy Ghost. I shared this last night with Harp and Paul. I said, but, I said what it is, righteousness, peace, and joy, and all I said, two of those are felt realities. Two, are, two out of three are felt realities. You can't feel righteousness, but you can feel peace and you can feel joy. How many think peace and joy is a pretty good felt reality? I think it is. In a world full of turmoil, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So I, I, th- I started reading this. And I, I was getting blessed. man. So I went from 2 Chronicles back to, back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus was saying. And then I shared a story. I shared a message a while ago. Do you remember in the day of Pentecost when Peter came out of the upper room? Pete, well, Peter and John were together. Peter, James, and John. Do you know what their nickname were? The Sons, the sons of Thunder. They, the, those, why? Because they upset Jerusalem. They weren't even from Jerusalem. <laughs> from Gal- Peter was from Bethesda, which is north of the Galilee, north on the Galilee. And I said, I said and, but these guys. Now, they went by a temple. The first miracle recorded after they had Pentecost, I shared with you before, it was that lame guy sitting on the steps of the temple. You mean to tell me they never saw that guy before? He by routine was placed there. And Peter walked by, had to be walked by several times. How many times do you think he's been to the temple? At least once a year. So if he's in his 30s, he's had to be over 30 times he's been in that temple, if not more. And he walks by, all of a sudden, now this time, with the Holy Spirit upon him, something changed inside Peter. And he fixed his eyes on this guy who was lame. And this is what he says to him, because the guy's begging. He says, alms, anything, You this is how they made their living. He couldn't walk. He couldn't walk from birth. Never walked in his life. And Peter says this. Silver and gold, I have none. Now, come on. (laughs) Maybe not on his presence, but he owned a fishing business. (laughs) Come on, Peter. I know you're Jewish. (laughs) Hallelujah. No, he said this. He wasn't putting the value in the guy's daily needs. He was putting the value in his spiritual needs. He says, silver and gold, I have none, but what I have you, I give to you. And he stretched out his right hand. I shared it in Jewish custom. That's a, that's a stronger blessing. When he reached out his hand, he grabbed the whole guy. He said, now rise and walk. Well, now I've shared that story several times. I want to go on one more. We don't go far enough in that story. Now, think about this guy. You never walked in your life, but now all of a sudden you can. What value are you going to put into walking, and what value are you going to put into begging? Your begging value is going to decline, and your walking value is going to increase, because now it opens up a whole new world, which you haven't ever seen before. Are you with me? Which leads me to verse 11, Acts 3.11. It says this, and now the lame man who was healed, that's the same guy we're talking about, in verse 6, silver and gold, I have none, I rise up and walk, that's verse 6. Verse 11, same Acts 3, verse 11. Now the, as the lame man was healed, listen to this. I looked this up in the Greek. He healed, he held on to Peter and John. When I looked this up in the Greek, the Greek word for held on, Means he seized, retained, laid hold of, or apprehended. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's happening here? Okay. He comes up, God obviously, through Peter, gives him a miraculous healing. He's got his legs. Wouldn't you think about all the things you wanted to go, where you wanted to walk, and what you wanted to do? You've got legs, you've got mobility, you don't need anybody carrying you anymore. And the first thing you do is you don't go ahead and walk down to McDonald's and get yourself a burger. You're not walking the aisles of the supermarket instead of begging. You're not looking for a job, doing out there looking to get a job where I can get some real money. No, no, no. You cling on to the guys who God has used to bring your head, in a sense, that's the closest you can get to the Lord Himself, to where God has given you a miracle. Wow. And you're not letting go. I don't know what just happened here. I don't understand it. But I'm not letting go because my legs are nothing. If He can do my legs, He can do everything about me. Wow. I want to hang on to that. I don't want to let go. I want to hang on to Him. I don't want to let go. I want to hang on. I want to hang on. The value of sitting on beggary where he could not walk had nothing, no value anymore. His life had changed. But now the value for the Savior, for El Shaddai, the value for Jesus, the value for everything that Peter preached and preached, he said, just, no, I want to hang on to the very vessel that God used. I want more. I want more of what he's got for me. How my, all my life I was on that pavement. All my life I depended on somebody else to go ahead and shuffle me around. No more. He's given me my freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. He's given me my freedom. I'm hanging on to that, and I'm not letting go. I wasn't allowed in the temple before. Now I'm allowed in the temple. They can't stop me because I can walk and I can dance. The value of what he saw changed. It changed from just a beggar. He no longer a beggar. He said, my value for God, it means everything to me now. His value just increased. God didn't change. All God did is give him a a miracle. No, I'm clinging on. I want more. Tell me more. I'm not letting you guys go. Well, hey, you going to stick with us? Come on, we're going to the temple. Yeah, let's go. And they went in dancing. Thumb in her nose at the Pharisees. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> that's my version. <laughs> of all the people that said, you're just a beggar. You're nothing. They believed back in Jesus, in Peter's day, they believed that if you were like that, it's because you're, you sinned. Especially leprosy. Leprosy is counted as a, as, a, as a disease generated from sin. So you were looked down upon. You weren't a whole man if you couldn't walk. So you weren't allowed in a temple. Only whole people were allowed to come in and worship God. This is where Jesus came glued. And he run out the money changers. It's okay for a money changer, but not the people for healing. My father's house is a house of prayer. And you made it into a den of thieves. Why? They were not allowed in. They were when Jesus was there. See, when Jesus, he opens the door... And our, when Jesus opens the door for the things we're not, our value system changes. And the things that we didn't have much value for before, ah, that's just religion, ah, that's just going to church. Oh, you're one of them Christians, Oh, one of them people. You become, yeah, I'm one of them people. I'm one of them chosen. I'm one of those that God marked. And now, old man at 72, I don't have to work. I get to work. I don't have to just go to church or show up somewhere someone else's church. He, and the Lord says, what do I do with you anyway? He says, okay, He said, say you step down and, and you go do something else. You go retire or whatever. You're going to go to church? Oh, of course I am. Well, that, that's not even a question. Yeah? Who are you going to submit to? He says, I know you. He says, you'll be prophesying and telling them what to do. <laughs> so you might as well just stay where you're at. <laughs> oh, I don't need you. I don't need you to go around telling other preachers what to do. just <laughs> I don't know if that was the Lord of me at that time, but I just, you know, either way, it ain't going to go good. See, the thing is, if the enemy can't get you to sin, he'll, he will attempt to distract us away from heaven's purpose. That's what he'll do. He's just a distraction. If the enemy can't get us to compromise our values, he will attempt to get us to overextend our values in a way that will lead us on the outside of heaven's purpose. Then all of a sudden we find ourselves we don't have time for this. I don't have time. I can't fit this on my schedule. I don't know about that. Can't do this. Can't do that. And it, the devil uses that to get us out of heaven's purpose. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about all this stuff. All of a sudden God's giving me a message. Then I told him I couldn't preach this message. This, this message and that. I said I can't preach this message. Yes, you can. I says, Are you tell me to preach this message, and he says, I don't have to tell you to preach the message. You already got it. <laughs> He's saying, there's a principle or a spiritual principle. Thank you, Jim. There's a spiritual principle here. What well, goes in comes out. Oh, no. Remember, I started this sermon. I started. I shared about the prophetic act of water baptism. You see, what happens is, as far as God is concerned in water baptism, your old person, the old sin, the old is dead, it's gone, it's, it doesn't mean anything, it's dead, amen. amen, but what happens is when we begin to do the acts and believe the things that Elijah lies of the devil, he tries to resurrect that old man, stand on your water baptism, that old man's back in the tomb, and how we put him back in the, with the old man back in the grave, I should put it that way, put the old man back in the grave, by repenting to God, and say, God I look towards you, I look towards you, now when I read the Word, I'm not looking for an escape. I'm looking for a purpose. You could have started with that. (laughs) There's two ways to read the Word of God. The devil will always look for an escape. He'll put an escape in you. Well, I'm looking for an escape. I don't want to do that. that. They don't sound very good. I'm going to do that. Instead, look, I'm looking for a purpose. Can I really do that? Is it bigger than you normally think? If it's bigger than you normally think, yeah. Because what happens is all the things that we can do, we do ourselves. We've already done We don't need God for that. We don't need God for God's things that we know how to do. We only need God. We need God. But when he gives us a vision, he gives us a vision that's going to rely upon him. You'll, don't ever be afraid of mystery in your life when it comes to the things of God. Because the mystery, the things that we can't explain, those mysterious things, means we have a dependency upon him. Amen. And it keeps that dependency upon him. And that's how it should be. Amen? Amen. He didn't give you a plan and cut you loose. Amen. Amen? The devil would like that because if God gave you a plan and cut you loose, then you're going to hit his bait. But he doesn't, he doesn't do that. But other than that, if we keep saying no to God that's as far as we'll ever go. Because God will not violate the will that he's put into us. He will not do it. He'll give us opportunities. So everything that we have is opportunities. Isn't it amazing? Uh, uh, I've never seen one demon-possessed, oppressed, or depressed person ever look for an opportunity. They just exist. They could graze out in the field with the cattle. They could just, they just exist. That's all they're doing is existing. Uh, I'm a rat on a wheel. It uh, th- never stops. It just keeps going around. And that's what—that's the image the devil wants you to have. God has a different image. He said, "No." He said, "This is the path that's leading to glory." He said, "Not only that. He says it's infecting everybody else's life because nobody's life is just for themselves. It's always affecting somebody else." Yes. Help anybody this morning? I hope I got this across with with clarity. It was a little bit different. James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Amen? In other words, what happens is unlimited potential is released in his presence. Unlimited potential is released in God's presence. I I want to seek his presence. I want to be like that lame guy. I'm just going to hang on. <laughs> Jesus, all right, if I just hang on. <laughs> I don't want to let go. I just want to hang on. And it's not, he already had the miracle. He already had everything to change his life. But what happens is the value of who made it happen. He was looking for more value towards him. Praise the Lord. Amen. I pray this morning that there's something out of here we can take away from. Amen. Praise the Lord. You so say, well, seek you first. Pastor, you mentioned seek you first. Why do I have to seek him first? Why can't he just do something for me? Because in that way, he makes you self-centered. To seek you first, the kingdom of God, and all these things to be added unto you. Why? Because God does not want us self-centered about our problems, our little, our little things. That's the area the devil works. We become the greatest in our own vision. Praise the Lord. Well, God does. He said, no. So the Lord's presence, Jesus, I believe that the Bible is true. Said, I recite this every, every service and then some, but um, it meant a lot to me. That, so scripture changed my life. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. Out of all the things we need, we need Jesus. Amen. All the things you put on your list, put Jesus at the top. Amen. Because without him, nothing you're going to claim in this life is going to matter. Amen. Praise the Lord. However, with him, everything you claim in this life will matter. Every little thing, every little thing, every little kind thing you do for somebody else, it goes into your account. Okay? And then what happens, every nasty little thing you do, I've heard another preacher say, the nasty little thing, God removes that from your account. <laughs> and when we get to heaven, we just hope we're not bankrupt. <laughs> so, uh, uh, when somebody pulls out in front of you on the highway, you know, this is tourist season. So, when they pull out in front of you, uh, you can say, or you can hold back and just let them go. That goes to your account. Or you can cuss them out. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that back out of your account. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't have a scripture for that, but praise the Lord. it makes the point. How many got something out of the word this morning? <laughs> Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. And I do pray, Lord. Now, this isn't a corrective sermon. This is just sharing. But I do realize that we are about to go into a new season. And I thank you, Father, for preparing your people and me. I I needed that. I needed that refreshing this week uh, to go in. Uh, This job can get very routine sometimes. I won't allow it. Um, You can ask my staff or, or my leadership if something gets to seem kind of stale, uh, that's us change it. Get rid of it. Let's get some new music. Let's get some do this, do this, change this, change that. Uh, um, because we will never find God in our old, in our old religion. And what happens when we find ourselves stuck in a routine? Now, coming the church is something, because what happens in in our culture today? Church is on a decline. But as I I read in First John today, I read to the leadership. I said. Uh, John said this, he said some people went out from amongst us but they weren't of us. He said they weren't of us because they didn't continue with us. And you can read for yourself, but He read all that in there, but uh, the the fact is, is no, uh, the devil wants to break us up. He wants to take and make it singular and separate. Why? Your your, your your strength and your power is doing what God's word says. It has nothing to do with the assembly, it has to do with God. Do you put value in what God has said? It's obeying His command. Amen. 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 He's obeying His command, and he. So this is what we do by by putting value in His word. The value of that word now begins to change our life for the better. For the better.